All right, what's up, everybody? It's David Jagno from Coalition.com here for episode 20 of Turn-Based, the RPG podcast at Coalition. I'm joined by my usual co-host and a special new guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Hey, what's up? This is Gary Swaby. Good to be back on the Turn-Based. What's up, Tom? Hey, man. I'm Tom Skidball. Uh, special guest today on the podcast. Yeah, it's good to have you. Your first time on this podcast, but you've been on co-op already, isn't that right? Yeah, I was in Cope, uh, the last one that just happened. How's on that one? Nice. And so why don't you just introduce yourself a little and tell everyone what kind of stuff you're doing for the site since, you know, people might not be too familiar with you yet. All right. Um, so I haven't long been writing for the site, to be honest. I did a few articles here and there. Um, more recently, though, I've started having my own little segment on the site called Retro Recap, which is all the uh, old school games that I bring every week. I've only written two so far, but I've got one coming out on Tuesday. So every Tuesday from now on, the foreseeable future, which will be good. So, yeah. Nice. So, what's your gaming history like, then? Have you owned most systems, or did you kind of grow up with certain systems, or what? Um, I've owned a lot of systems. One thing that I never actually owned, I never really owned a Nintendo console. Um, I had a NES, and that's it since I have Yo. the, the only other one. best I've friend. <laughs> best friend. Yeah, people Appreciate. people give Gary so much stuff because he's never played most Nintendo games. <laughs> I've played a few here or there. I've played like going around my mates' house and played them and stuff. But apart from that, I mean, I've had like Game Boys and DSs and stuff. But in terms of the mainstream consoles, I've never had anything Nintendo-based, really. So I'm I've I've had like PS One, PS Two, Xboxes. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. I never owned a Mega Drive either, which people keep having a go at me for. Yeah, me and Gary both grew up on the Mega Drive or Genesis here in the States. It was the Genesis. Mm. Yeah, and I I played the Super Nintendo off and on before and after, but the Genesis was mine. As you know, whenever I was at that age, that was the one I had. Yeah. So I, I had an Atari as well. Like they were old school Atari with the cartridge and everything. Nice. And the joystick control. That was crazy. But I mean, yeah, it turns out what I grew up on. I mean, it started really with PS1 for me. So, not so far back as you'd think. Yeah, we have a lot in common, because, um, like, you know, I had a NES as well, and uh, then, you know, graduated to Mega Drive, uh, but I shared these consoles with my brother, basically. Mm. And, uh, you know, I missed out on the whole Super Nintendo, but our friends used to come over and bring over the console, you know, on certain days and And then we get jealous of your and... Mega Drive and wish they had it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, Either that or they, already, or they already had one. Yeah. But, yeah, so I kind of missed out, you know, on a lot of the classics people people talk about on, you know, the Super Nintendo and N64 and all those consoles. And um, I really didn't get serious about gaming until, like, the PS1 era. And then um, the Dreamcast was my first console that I owned myself, that I bought with my own money. So. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I got PS2 after that, so it's all good. But yeah, we have a lot in common, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like it, yeah. Alright, so what have you guys been playing? Uh, who do you want to go first? You can go first. Okay, um, I've just been micro-gaming, that's what I call it. Um, basically, because I've been kind of busy the past two weeks or so. So I've just been fitting in different games whenever I can. Uh, for, I've been going from shooters to RPGs and, you know, just anything, really. Uh, I've played a lot of Final Fantasy over the past two weeks. I've played um, 10, i played 13, and 7. Uh, I'm actually trying to beat 7 for the first time because I've always played that game but never actually beat it. So this time I actually want to beat it for the first time. So hopefully I can do that. Um, I got tired of waiting for 10 HD, so I decided to just pick up the PS2 copy and start playing on my <laughs> PlayStation 3. Um, and yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm falling in love with it all over again. Um, one of the things I saw come out in the news this week was that they're actually um, going to remix the soundtrack. Now, I'm not too sure how I feel about that because I really love the soundtrack in 10 and um, I don't feel like it needs to be remixed. They're going to remix but, it or remaster it? Uh, 
I read Remix, and they're basically going to move um, different music around to different parts of the game. Sort oh, of thing. I don't know how I feel so, about that. No, no, that's yeah. horrid. <laughs> Why would you mess with... You know, it's like perfection, basically. Yeah, don't yeah. fix what's not broken, man. <laughs> wow, okay. Hmm. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I'm hoping they give you an option um, of which one you want to play, like the remixed version or oh, the regular. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me. How about you guys? Uh, me? Um, well, as I mentioned on the other podcast, I mean, I haven't played much. I recently moved back from my hometown up to uh, Sheffield area, so like northern England. Uh, yeah. So I haven't actually brought any of my consoles with me because I had to move very quickly on the train and I couldn't really afford to be taking all my stuff on the train with me. So I actually haven't got any consoles here. So I've been basically right. going around my girlfriend's house and stealing her consoles. So I that's what that's what they're for, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, I've most recently I've been playing Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts Two more precisely, because I've never actually completed Kingdom Hearts before. And I've been told a lot about it, so I decided to give them a go just before the, you know the HD comes out and everything. So that's my that's my last couple of weeks. Uh, for me, it's been a lot of Final Fantasy Thirteen. I'm trying to finally finish it. I'm right up at the end. I'm basically right up at chapter thirteen. Um, but what happens to me a lot in JRPG specifically? is I start out really strong, and I grind a lot and get really overpowered for the first two-thirds of the game. But then by the time the last third rolls around, I don't feel like grinding anymore, and I'm underpowered by the time I get to the end. So I'm, I'm going to have to go back and grind for a little while just so I can beat the last few bosses. Um, but yeah, that's the part I'm at, and I think it's a good game. You know, I like it a lot. I think it's pretty underrated. Um... I might like it more just because I played it with the expectation of it not being like previous Final Fantasies. Yeah. You know, because whenever it first came out, I can understand people if they expected like another 10 or another 12 or just, you know, something similar, then they might have been kind of turned down. But I actually like it a lot. It's one of the prettiest games I've ever played in my life. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I was one of those people who was actually really disappointed with it when I played it initially. And, you know, that's because it seemed so dumbed down compared to, you know, the previous ones that I'd played. Yeah. But um, after I gave it some time and went back to it, I could appreciate it for what it is. And it is actually a very beautiful game, like you said. Um, I love the soundtrack. And the story is, is pretty decent if you follow it and, you know, make the effort to figure out what's going on and stuff. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's a decent game, I think. Yeah, I agree with you, Gary. I mean, I, for a lot, most part of 13, I enjoyed the story more than the gameplay. I mean, isn't that why we mainly play RPGs? I just like playing them because more yeah. than not, the story is amazing to play along through. And you can tolerate the um, substandard um, gameplay mechanics just because the story is so good. I mean, there's a lot of RPGs that I've played whereby the gameplay is just, I'm just forcing myself to play through because I want to know what happens more than anything else. Yeah, I, I typically agree. I've had this discussion with, I think, Gary and Rich on several occasions. You know, like, a game that has really, really, really good gameplay but a bad story versus a game that has a good story but bad gameplay. Mm. Like, which would you rather play? And for me, it usually is the story that I play for, for the most part, especially when it comes to RPGs, which also I think is kind of ironic because when you think about it, like I was saying, a lot of JRPGs especially, you have to grind a lot which involves playing the game a lot more than you want to, <laughs> but just so you can see the story. Like, you're willing to sacrifice a few hours of mind-numbing gameplay just so you can find out what happens next. Mm-hmm. I find, actually, when you start grinding, if you get two, R- two RPGs, like one on your handheld and one on the game, you can grind at both at the same time, and it's actually it's a lot more efficient that way. <laughs> <'Cause you're> not <laughs> That's that not a bad idea. <laughs> you can do two things at once, so, you know, grind doesn't take that much attention span. That's not a bad idea, especially for something with an active combat system like Final Fantasy Thirteen. You can just do auto. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to think. Yeah, my my technique's usually a Final Fantasy game with a Pokemon game. So you could do both at the same time, because they're both like, essentially turn-based. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. I, I might have to try that. 
And then, let me see, besides that, I've, um, I recently got a new monitor for my PC, so I've been kind of just pl- experimenting around with different games on PC, revisiting them, so, played some Tribes recently, some, um, what's it called? I played the beginning of Witcher 2, I haven't gotten too far into it yet, because I want to wait until I finish Final Fantasy to dive into another RPG, um, Skyrim, you know, I always come back to that every now and then, just never gets old. Oh, yeah. Especially on PC. I mean, every time I open up Steam, there's a dozen new mods for me to try. So yeah, <laughs> I, need to talk to you. I need to talk to you about that, actually, because, um, you know, I'm going to be doing some videos of it soon, and um, I want to know, like, some good mods to use and stuff. Oh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> there's so many. Yeah, there's, uh, there's one that you could turn, like, the werewolves into um, chairs. So you can go around mauling people as chairs. You should try that one. <laughs> yeah, there's um, a posh mud crab mod. You can put uh, like top hats on mud crabs and stuff. Um, the the one I'm using right now, I have all the like armor and weapons from Zelda, which is awesome. And there's just all kinds of stuff. It's kind of crazy. Like there are mods that lets you ride that makes a mount version of like every creature in the game. So you can run around town like riding a giant mud crab, <laughs> or a dragon. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, tigers, bears, giants. Even you can ride on the back of a giant. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. The the giants in that game are hilarious. I like provoking them. I like the physics that come with giants, especially when you get hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so this actually works out nicely. Uh, we can move into news now. Uh, we have a few kind of short topics. I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time talking about news in this episode because there hasn't been a whole lot of big things really going on. But um, the Elder Scrolls Anthology has been announced, which has me pretty excited because I'm a huge Elder Scrolls fanboy. I'll admit it. And I think it's awesome. You know, They're putting all of the games on disc, all five of them, all the expansions, and you get, like, five different maps and really cool, nice packaging for just 80 bucks. Yeah, and a lot of people think that that's expensive, but when you really look at what you're getting, I mean, like, I, I already have Morrowind, um, Oblivion, and Skyrim, and I have Game of the Year editions for them. Yeah. Uh, but I would still buy this because... No, I'm know, in the exact same of... position. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if you think about it from like a pure monetary point of view, it's still a crazy good deal because if you were to buy the legendary edition of Skyrim right now, I think it's like 50 or 60 bucks. So then if you throw on top of that game of the year of Oblivion, of Morrowind, and then finally having disc versions that work on current operating systems for Arena and Daggerfall. Yeah, is that confirmed by the way? I've it has to, it, I mean, I can't imagine that it's that it wouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it should be, yeah. Like, I don't think By the, they would put it on a disc if it's not going to work on current systems. Yeah, see, that alone is awesome. The fact that, you know, the uh, the older games that have been difficult to get to work on, you know, the newer operating systems are readily, you know, available for you to play, like, you know, without too much effort. So right, right. That alone is a great thing. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I'm not that much of a big Elder Scrolls fan. Um, I like Skyrim, but I never really liked Oblivion that much. I could never really get into Oblivion. But I've always looked back and thought, you know, I wouldn't mind playing the predecessors to these games. So, I mean, as like, what you said, $80, this is what? In the UK, it's about 50 quid, 50, 60 pounds? Is that about right? Uh, it's not. Uh, yeah. That's not... That's not a bad deal at all. I mean, I'd quite happily pay that for a few extra... I mean, five games. I mean, I already got a copy of Skyrim, but I mean, I wouldn't mind having a second one. <laughs> Especially if we got all the DLC with it and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the extra stuff you get, like the artwork and, you know, the maps and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to uh, lie. The maps are almost like the most appealing part of that collection to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's pretty nice. So, uh, next is a topic that is near and dear to Gary's heart, and it's news that I recently found out about. It's also relevant to the games we've been playing recently, as they have made some pretty significant upgrades to Lightning Returns. 
Um, <laughs> I would say that uh, you know they're they're pretty much going to be universally praised as the best feature of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and so, well, once you get some more detail on what I'm talking about here. Okay, so basically, um, Square Enix had a Q and A session recently, and a fan asked them, you know, about uh, Lightning's cup size and you know if it's if it's grown over you know the course of the three games and they confirm that you know in this game she she's gone from um a d cup to i mean a c cup to a d cup so there you go yeah, lightning's boobs will be a lot bigger and they will jiggle depending on you know the costume she wears and stuff so well let's be frank it's gonna be the most slutty costume you can find for lightning during the entire game so <laughs> probably the cow hoping- one Oh yeah, that would be nice. I'm hoping they have a Lulu costume as well. Oh. Since they have Yuna. And Cloud. <laughs> oh no, just don't talk about They could really confuse some people. <laughs> uh, they need a Tifa one. Yes. Let's <laughs> just go through all the games and have one costume from each game. That'd be done yeah, with that would, yeah, that's what they should do. That would be fantastic. I want to see her in Fran's costume from Final <laughs> Fantasy XII. <laughs> But, um, I mean, like, some people are actually upset about this and they're using it as a means to kind of discredit the series by saying that um, if boob jiggling is, like, the hot new feature of Final Fantasy, then the franchise is clearly dead. So how do you guys feel about that? Well, first thing I would say to those people is, it's Japan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if they're honestly surprised, then they're not very in tune with the type of culture that's making these games. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean... It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's the third part to uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen, which, let's be frank, didn't get exactly the most positive reviews from a lot of people. I enjoyed yeah. it, I mean. But, clearly, 13.2 and 13.3 were for diehard fans of the series anyway. People who were mediocre about 13 would never have considered, oh, I really need to get 13.2 and 13.3. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, by this point, it is pure fan service. Exactly. That's that's exactly my point. Like, this game is strictly fan service. Uh, you know, yeah. that's the way they're kind of um, painting it to be. So, you know, Final Fantasy XV is, is going to be the next game that really, you know, tries to get new people into it, especially with the battle system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this game isn't really one to judge the whole Final Fantasy brand on. So, uh-huh. sorry, yeah. it's, it's gonna be not gonna be any worse than a day of Cerberus anyway. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. look at Ten Two. Like, that's another purely fan service game. I like Ten Two. I think it's a great game. Oh yeah, I know plenty of people that like <laughs> it. But I mean, that's like that, that's another example. Like, you know, that game wasn't needed, but you know, Square they make games for. Hey, whoa! Games. I think it was needed. It was very needed. How so? Like, there was no cliffhanger at the end of 10 that needed a continuation of the story. Uh, they needed to make more game. It was just, an, it was just a necessary reasoning. It, it's me, really. But it needed more. <laughs> there was not enough yeah, in that game. Mean, it needed I mean, more. I get the logic that you like it, so you want to keep playing, but the story didn't, necessi- didn't necessarily need a continuation. Yeah, I get what um, Tom is saying about 10 too, like, because, you know, 10 was really that epic and like you felt like you want more but for me personally like you know the way they took the story i um i could have did without it but i did enjoy playing through the game though you know as a rpg fan and final fantasy fan yeah that's what i'm saying like i'm not saying that it's bad i'm just saying that from a story standpoint there's it's not necessary yeah so if people are upset they should ignore it like they were going to anyway i mean it's it's kind yeah, of it, it always happens with Final Fantasy games. There always was someone like, oh, no, the franchise is downhill now, it's not going to be great, and then people play it like, this is an amazing game, and then a couple of months later, it's like, oh, have you played the new Final Fantasy yet? And I'm like, yeah, I played it ages ago, and it was good. <laughs> I still play it now, it's good. Where are you coming from, you know, years later? And so, you know, going off of the same concept of, you know, like Japanese games and you know, kind of the fan service type stuff. One of the ones I recently reviewed was Time and Eternity. And I know I've already told Gary about this one. I don't know if you're too familiar with it, Tom. It's a game that is a JRPG. And 
the basic concept of the game is there's the main character girl that switches between different personalities. Mm. And uh, every time she levels up, she switches. So you don't really have any control over when she switches, and each person, or like each personality controls differently. And it's kind of an interesting concept, and there's time travel and stuff involved. But the actual gameplay itself is some of the most monotonous, mind-numbing stuff I've ever done. The story is very, very boring. The writing is... It made me cringe whenever I was sitting there playing this game. <sighs> and like, it's... I mean, there were... If you if you look at my review, if you're listening, there's there's an interesting discussion that happened in the comments because there are some people that really like that type of game, and I you know maybe I don't get it, maybe it's a issue of translation, but it was easily one of the worst games I've ever played. And whenever the last episode of Turn Base, I had kind of mentioned that I was going to be reviewing a game that's really bad, so this is just kind of a continuation of that. If you you know, if, you, if you're interested in reading a review of a game that I pretty much hated, then you can go <laughs> read that one because, yeah, it was it was bad. It seems like some commenters didn't like your review for some reason. Uh, I think the problem is, I mean, with reviews and such, I mean, it's everyone's personal opinion. Whoever wrote the article, it's what they think <laughs> of the game. It's not going to be necessarily what they, a lot of people think. And yeah, you always yeah, find yeah. people defend it with their life, like, you know you said something wrong about their precious game. I mean, I'm saying that, like, I do it too. I do it with Final Fantasy games all the time. If people say something bad about Final Fantasy games, I'll tell them immediately that they're wrong and they should go away and never play games again. So, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things, isn't it, really, where people think, oh, you've said something bad, you must not get the concept of it or something. And right, you, right, what? right. And see, yeah. the like, for me, the difference is, it should, it's pretty clear sometimes whenever someone dislikes something and they can't explain why, or if they dislike it and they, you know, clearly explain their opinion. And, you know, if, if it's the latter, then they usually don't have an issue. I'm just like, okay, yeah, you're different of opinion. But whenever they're just complaining to complain, that's when it gets, you know, I, I feel like it's just, you know, kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I agree. I, I liked your review, man. I found it fun to read. <laughs> yeah, I tried to make it pretty funny. <laughs> it wasn't difficult with that one, either. Okay, so... I think you have a new video series, don't you, Gary, that you want to kind of talk about? It's, I, I know it's not necessarily only about RPGs, but it's probably what it's going to mostly be about. Yep, so um, I started a video show called SideQuest. And um, basically, because um, I noticed like there's a lot of walkthrough videos on YouTube you know, that walk you through different quests and, you know, um, or through the whole game entirely. But um, there's never really something that focuses on just side quests in games. And, you know, I find side quests to be pretty fun sometimes. So I wanted to highlight, you know, some of my favorite side quests and stuff from different games. And, you know, it's mainly going to be RPG games like The Witcher 2 was the first game. And, you know, I plan to do Skyrim next. And, um... You know, I'll, I'll just do a bunch of different games, really. But, yeah, just make sure you check it out. Um, I will try and improve the show every time, you know, make it a lot better. Uh, there's commentary on it as well. Um, I'll I'll see if I can figure out how to get more people involved eventually so that, you know, it's not just me talking because people might get bored of my voice. But, yeah, check it out and let me know what you think. All right, sounds good. Do you have any idea what side quests you want to focus on for Skyrim whenever you do the next video? I have no idea, so I, I kind of have to, like, play it for a while and kind of remember, you know, which ones were really good. Um, there was a couple I remember doing when I had it on the PS3 uh, where it took damn near, like, an hour, well, like, 40 minutes or so to, to beat it. Like, you would have to go into some next dungeon or something. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really enjoyable, but um, I just can't remember which quest it was specifically. And I think it's it's probably something that you do later in the game, sort of thing. Yeah. See, an- another thing you're gonna have to make sure you pay attention to with that game is a lot of the quests, the location, the game procedurally kind of decides on the spot based yeah. on you know areas you haven't been to yet. So you're gonna have to make sure you pick ones that are 
pre-scripted to be in those exact places. Yeah, I'm going to have to do some research on that, definitely. Uh, are there are there any you can think of that you liked or enjoyed playing? Uh, first ones that come to mind would just be the different faction side quests. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, but for those, you know, I don't really know if people would watch because they're almost like the main quest, you know, like... Yeah. They're not very... I still haven't decided which faction I've gone with yet in Skyrim. I've played, like, 80 hours into that game, and I still haven't decided a faction to join. I'm too indecisive for this kind of deal. <laughs> I don't know do which them one all. To... You can only do, do one of them. You can only do one or the other, though, can't you? You can't choose, like, can I choose, like, Stormcloak, or you can't choose Imperial, but you can't choose both. Oh, right, yeah, that, that one you have to oh, choose. Oh, okay, you're talking about the Civil War. Yeah, you have to pick yeah, yeah. one yeah. for that. Yeah, I haven't decided. But I can't decide. There's other factions like the Dark Brotherhood. And, oh, um, those, okay. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Fighters Guild, the College of Winterhold. Okay, yeah. yeah. Those, you can do all of those. Yeah, yeah all of those you yeah. can do, yeah. But, like, yeah, Civil War one's on about, yeah. I haven't decided. Yeah. I'm too worried to decide. Well, which race are you? I'm, uh, I'm an elf. So A high elf? Yeah. It kind of makes sense for you to do Imperial. It makes sense, but the Imperials are... They try to kill me, man. <laughs> yeah. Just it's have tough. To, just have to flip a coin and decide. Yeah. Why can't everyone just get along? It's just so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so everyone keep an eye out for SideQuest. The first one's already up, so we'll link it in the description. And uh, don't you usually do a little short write-up about each video as well? Yeah, um, you know, I did a long... Um, right up on the last one, I did the uh, uh, which one did I do again? <laughs> I the Necker contract. Yeah, the Necker contract. Yeah, I did a write up on that. Um, you know, basically you, you had to go and hunt these creatures called Neckers and um, blow up four of their tunnels so that you know they they can't get into the city and stuff. So yeah, I did a little write up of how I found the quest and what I thought of it and stuff. So. That's just something extra, you know. Um, I kind of wanted to... Um, I wanted this series to appeal to those who follow the website or just follow YouTube. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can... The people who just follow YouTube, you know, they can find it and they might find it interesting as well. But people who follow the website, you know, they'll, they'll have a little write-up about the quest as well as, you know, watching the video. So, yeah. Sounds like a good approach. Okay, next, before we move into kind of our special segments, um, I am going to keep this kind of brief. I could probably talk and talk about this topic, but I'm going to save most of it for the write-up I'm going to do. Um, this Friday, so this past Friday, uh, whenever this is this podcast will be posted, it'll be a few days past, um, at the Sony Online Entertainment Live, SOE Live in Vegas, they revealed some new information on their different games. You know, so they have a lot of games under their name. You know, they have EverQuest 1, EverQuest 2, PlanetSide, PlanetSide 2, uh, Vanguard, the DC Universe Online. Um, you know, so Sony Online has a lot of different MMOs. And their new one that they had kind of teased for the past year was EverQuest Next, was the kind of like code name that they were giving it. And all they had really said was that it was going to be a really, really big and kind of a sandbox-style MMO. So, you know, to give you a point of reference, like games like World of Warcraft or the original EverQuest, all those are quest-driven. So, you you know, you go talk to an NPC, they give you something to do, you go do it, come back, get your reward, rinse, repeat. Um, so this one they're saying is going to be a, little, a lot different. It's going to be very sandbox-style. You just kind of go make your own fun, do what you want. And, you know, you're gonna, there's going to be quests and structure, but it's going to be mostly a sandbox. And uh, what they revealed is pretty much just, like, all the details about the game. So, for one thing, it's going to have a fully destructible environment, um, which has never really been in an MMO before. And it sounds like, you know, whenever you say that, you know, people usually think, oh, okay, so you can blow up buildings and stuff. But based on the videos and what they're saying, it seems like it's literally going to be fully destructible. Um, they showed, like, blowing craters in the ground and going down into a cavern and going down to, like, the center of the world where there's fire and lava and stuff. Um, so, like, buildings, 
uh, like all the environment, wow. trees were getting torn down in battles. Um, wow. Yeah. That sounds really, that, that sounds really incredible in an MMO. Cause, yeah, you know, so you've played Guild Wars 2, so, like, imagine World v. World with destructible environments. Yeah, that would be amazing. It would and change everything. I really want to see, like, how the performance is of that, because, you know, you have so much stuff going on, you know, at one time in these uh, in these lobbies and stuff. It's like, it's like, will the frame rate dip and stuff? Do you think, or I mean, do you think they'll be able to pull it off? That's going to be the biggest hurdle. I mean, that's the like underlying issue. I mean, if anyone, the way I see it, if anyone can change the MMO in such a big way, it's going to be Sony Online, because mm-hmm. you know EverQuest is basically the grandfather of MMOs, and he even said that on stage, which I thought was was kind of funny. He was like, you know, if anyone's going to change the way MMOs are designed, we should be the ones to do it. Because, like, he, I mean, at the press conference, and like people have been saying for years, most MMOs are just the same game over and over with a different storyline. So, I mean, it's seeming like this new one could really actually be different, finally. Um, another thing about it is there's a second facet to it that's going to be coming out this winter called EverQuest Next Landmark, which is sort of like a content creation tool where players can create their own stuff, like block by block, create buildings, create structures, items, landmarks, that will actually be put into the final game once it releases. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if this thing, if this idea is taken to its full extent, I can imagine a situation where, you know, it's, giant guild battles or server battles where, you know, you custom create your own guild base and you can siege each other. I mean, like, the possibilities are pretty limitless with this. Like, you know, for example, like, if you're defending your guild base, you could have a bridge going over a river and then whenever the, you know, enemy starts attacking, have a mage drop a meteor on the bridge and destroy it and they can't get across. Or tunnel through the ground and come up underneath someone else's base. Like, it seems like if stuff like that is possible, it would, like, change everything. This seems, like, really innovative. Yeah, I mean, it really could be. And another thing is the way that they're doing animations and movement in the environment. Like, most, you know, most games there's a jump animation. And you can kind of freely move and jump around. But they showed, like, gameplay footage where... While you're running, if there's, like, little rocks or ledges, you'll kind of, like, vault over them. Or, you know, like, the characters kind of stumble. There's, like, a wall run animation. You can do, like, double jumps. Some characters can glide. Some can leap. And so it seems like stuff is going to be really fluid. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited because EverQuest 1 was the first MMO I played. So if it turns out this way and it actually lives up to half the potential, then... I think it'll be pretty huge. I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. All right, so next we can transition over back to you for a second, Tom. We're going to do a segment inspired by your presence here. Excellent. Since you're the retro guy. (laughs) Uh, So I guess we can each just briefly, very, very, very briefly, kind of talk about our top, I don't know, two or three favorite RPGs from previous generations. So I guess, you know, anything before this generation just... We'll, we'll keep it pretty broad. Yeah. I mean, I've had this discussion with people before. I mean, what do you class as a retro game? I mean, for me, like, my all-time favorite game, which we're going to be going to talk about in a second, is Final Fantasy X. But, I mean, is that classed as a retro game now? I don't think Have it's got... retro. But for it's... the purpose of this discussion, I think we'll just say anything from previous generations. Well, it, it, was, it, was, it came out over ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Where do you where do you draw the line between retro and recent? I don't I really have a definition. I, th- I think it's very <laughs> subjective. I don't think there is a definition. Yeah, well, I guess so. Um, okay, so my all-time favorite retro RPG. If it's not gonna be ten, it's gonna be nine. I liked nine an awful lot. Um, Never played that one. Nine. Yeah, same here. I actually what? own nine. I, I own it, but I haven't played it yet. What? It, it's what? Rest, it, I, I'm I'm disappointed in myself because everyone that has ever played that game tells me that it's 
like their favorite. Yeah. Oh, it's an amazing game. I I plan to get to it like once I get through um seven and eight. You know, I want to get on to nine. Oh, drop seven so. and eight. It's, it's not even worth it anymore. Play nine. <laughs> I, I just like want to beat I think, those. I feel like seven's overrated personally. I agree. I, I didn't. Um, uh, for the time, I see the people that like hyped Seven, say it's great and all this stuff. But um, in terms of looking back, it's a good game. I preferred Ten and Nine to Seven. Actually, controversially, I preferred Crisis Core to Seven. So <laughs> this is me. So, do you have any favorites that aren't Final Fantasy? Um, <laughs> Pokemon, I guess, is an RPG, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Pokemon. I'm a big Pokemon fan. I've had played them since the start. I think my latest retro recap article was about Pokemon. Yeah, um, it was really good and detailed. I liked it a lot. Oh, thanks. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it, like it brought back a lot of childhood memories of playing it back in the day when you know you, you had to go around your friend's house to get the Pokemon. You got your link cable out, just trading Pokemon through there, trying to glitch the game and such. But, I mean it. It's a lot of it. Spent a lot of my childhood playing Pokemon. And right. I say childhood. I spend a lot of time now still playing it. Uh, I've had every one since, and I plan to get the next one when it comes out too. So, it, it, in terms of the franchises that I'm very big for, it's Final Fantasy and Pokemon are the two big franchises for me. Mm-hmm. I, I happily drop everything and only play those two franchises for the rest of my life. <laughs> I mean, that's perfectly fine. They have a long history, and they both have dozens yeah dozens of games probably each oh yeah 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 there's so many so um yeah apart from those really RPG wise um there's gotta be something else that I'm missing here (laughs) (laughs) um no you have to come back to me I can't think of it anymore I'll probably think of it I'll I'll think of it in a second don't worry you can go I'll follow up and say that, um, yeah, we're very similar, because, you know, aside from Final Fantasy, of course, um, Pokemon Red is what really got me into RPGs in the first place. That was really the first RPG I actually played from beginning to end sort of thing, because before then, I kind of looked down upon RPGs a little bit, and that just stems from, you know, um, because I used to share consoles with my brother, and a lot of the times I would have to just play what he played because he would be the one buying the games. And, you know, I always looked at, like, RPG games as, like, what what the hell is this? Like, you know, why why do people like this? Or whatever. I guess I never really understood them and I wasn't mature enough to really understand them at that point. But once I played Pokemon Red, because uh, the thing is I was a big Pokemon fan of the show and everything. So that's what actually made me want to play the game. You know, and once I played that, and I really got into it, I I got that itch to play other games like it, and you know that's what made me kind of graduate to other games like Final Fantasy and um, Star Ocean, and you know other games like that. Very nice, very nice. So you two are brothers. Good to know. <laughs> Seems so. <laughs> uh, for me, once again, you know I'll. You know, Final Fantasy is definitely up there. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk about something else, just for sake of variety. Uh, like I mentioned to you earlier, I was talking to you, uh, Breath, or, well, not Breath of Fire, um, Legend of Dragoon. That is one of my all-time favorites. It's, I think the only, like, traditional turn-based RPG I've ever played that I liked more was Final Fantasy X. So, Legend of Dragoon, though, is, like, very, very high for me. Um... It was kind of, it was probably one of the first like big PS1 RPGs I played. I think I played it before I played 7 and 8. Um so that could that could be part of the reason just cuz you know it's the first one that I really experienced. And also I really liked it because the combat is different. It's not just click attack and then select an enemy. It's kind of um not really a quick time event, but there's like some timing aspects to it. Each character has different combos that you do. And so it's it's more active. I liked that. The music's really good. Um, the writing's good. All the characters are interesting. There's really cool powers. You know, the like in combat, the summon powers and all that kind of stuff are cool. And it was also made by Sony. 
And I, I don't understand why they never did a sequel or why they don't do a remake because I've never talked to anyone that doesn't love that game if they played it. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of forgotten. Uh, it has a really cool lore, really cool backstory. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it would be a perfect game for them to revisit sometime soon. But I, I really don't understand why they don't because Sony needs their own like first party RPG, like JRPG or something. Yeah, it would be great. You know, Square Enix. You know, they're whoring Final Fantasy everywhere at the moment. So like uh, they they tried to get um, White Knight Chronicles, but um, I mean it was a good game, but uh, you know it just didn't have that feel of you know like true epicness. So they kind of need a big um, you know RPG franchise for for themselves. So they should bring that back. I think. Right, right. That would I be agree. so epic if if they brought it back for PS4. That would be like so epic. I I can even fathom the feelings I would have if that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, then I guess besides that one, um, let me try to think. Chrono Trigger. Farther. Yeah, that's, that was the first one that came to mind. Um, you know, that has, you know, Final Fantasy creator was involved in that. Akira Toriyama. I love Dragon Ball Z, so I love the art style. Um, yeah, Chrono Trigger is a fantastic game, and it still holds up. Like a lot of older RPGs, if you go back and play them, they feel dated. But this one, like, it, it it still feels good to play. Like, the combat's more active, and story's awesome. It's not super long, either, because it kind of encourages multiple playthroughs with the time traveling. So, like, the second and third time you play it, you can, like, events will happen in different orders, and you can travel through the time and stuff. It's it's a good game. It's I can understand why a lot of people call it one of the best. Yeah, that, that's on my list of uh, RPGs to play. I mentioned my list earlier on. It's a big list. <laughs> I need to play. That's one of them. Yeah, I actually great, have it. Great as well. Oh, okay, you have it. Well, see, the great thing about that game is it's available on virtually every thing that plays the game ever invented ever. <laughs> you can get it on like Super Nintendo, the original. It was released on PS One. It's on PSN now. You can get it on DS, Android, iOS. I think on PC probably it's somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you still talking about Chrono Trigger? Yeah. Sorry. I yeah. Okay, yeah, I think I'm going to get... If it's on Vita, I'll probably get it on there because um, I've been playing some old RPGs on there and stuff, so I might actually get that on there. Yeah, that game's everywhere, and it's really, really good. Especially since you like Dragon Ball Z. Like, it, it's pretty... The, like, the art style is great. It's the same guy. Oh, cool. You know what I've always wanted? Like, just a hardcore Dragon Ball Z RPG. Oh, my like, gosh. That would be yes. just <laughs> awesome. Yes. Like, Legacy of Goku on Game Boy Advance is good, but yeah. I would love, and I, I would love a turn-based one specifically. Yeah. Like, I think uh, it would yeah. be so cool. Like, the level system is already in the show. Power levels already exist. You yeah. know, different abilities would be perfect. Man, it would be so yeah. good. They have that MMO, so I guess that's the closest we might get. Yeah, I don't know if that'll ever officially come to an English-speaking country, though. There's patches, but that's not the same. Yeah, Those true. are user patches. It's not even complete. Okay, so our next big segment we're going to do is about Elder Scrolls Online. This one's pretty big. It's I don't know if they have a release window. I think it's spring next year, right? I'm, I'm not even sure. Uh but yeah, it's coming out to PC, PS4, and Xbox One. The first Elder Scrolls MMO. Uh, I I had some severe reservations about the whole concept, just because I'm a big Elder Scrolls fan and a big MMO fan. And I mean, I personally don't think that style of gameplay really lends itself to being an MMO well. So I don't know. I I was kind of skeptical about it. But you've played it, right, Gary? Yeah. Um, you played at E3. I played at E3. Uh, I mean, I I kind of I don't think I got to see see enough of it, you know, to really get a, a good opinion of it. But I spoke to one of the guys there, you know, he was um, in charge of the game, and you know, he, I asked him about like the different regions and you know that how they'll 
be in the world. Like he he basically explained that you know you you'll have each different area, so like you know Skyrim, Morrowind, and everything, but it will be only a selection of the map sort of thing. Right, so right. He explained that to me, you know. But I mean, from what I actually played, it was basically just doing um, small missions like putting out fires and um, killing creatures and stuff. So I, I didn't really get to do anything epic uh, when I played it, unfortunately. So, you know, it's, it's been kind of difficult for me to form a proper opinion on it. So that's why I'm glad that you you got to play it yesterday and you got to play it more than I did. Yeah, I got yeah. to play it at QuakeCon. Um, the first thing we did was there was a 30-minute presentation they did. And that was streamed online. Then afterwards, I had a scheduled preview where I got to play for two hours, and it was it was better than I expected. I you know was pretty skeptical about the whole idea, and I feel like they did a pretty good job of combining Elder Scrolls and MMO stuff together. But at the end of the day, it still felt like it was just an it was just an MMO that happened to take place in the Elder Scrolls universe not an Elder Scrolls game that had MMO elements, if that makes sense. Like, it still had all the stuff that most uh, every other MMO has. Like, you know, you you have your little hot bar at the bottom, you go do quests where you kill X number of creatures, or go find an area, go talk to a person, come back, turn in the quest. And, you know, you have other people running around and jumping everywhere they go, and, you know, kind of... <laughs> I mean... It, it, it was. It felt like I was playing in just any other MMO. It just happened to take place in, you know, the Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Which isn't bad, but I think that what's going to happen is the only people that are going to be interested are fans of Elder Scrolls. I don't think people that like playing new MMOs are really going to be interested because it doesn't do anything new. Yeah. I mean, to me, it just felt like Guild Wars 2, you know, like the the Elder Scrolls version of Guild Wars 2. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I like that it has the kind of flavors and stuff from Elder Scrolls, just because, you know, you have the same races, and you have the same areas. Like, it was cool going back to Morrowind in the preview I played, because Morrowind was the first Elder Scrolls game I played. So it was really cool seeing that world again, kind of revamped over a decade later. So it was awesome seeing that, but, I mean, as far as gameplay goes, it was pretty basic. Like, it, it was cool that you could zoom into first person, and it was fully animated arms you know, and stuff, just like an Elder Scrolls game. But Yeah, that is great. That is awesome that you can do that. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of cool, but, I mean, that doesn't change <laughs> anything, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the one edge they have is that they're going to be on consoles as well. True. So, you know... Yeah as we move to the next generation, you know, MMOs on consoles is probably going to be a bigger thing. So um, I'm sure they'll get a lot of people playing the game, you know. Um, people are, f- are pretty familiar with the Elder Scrolls name because of Skyrim, because it was such a big success. So I'm sure people will play it, and, you know, a lot of people probably will enjoy it because they're not that experienced with MMOs in the first place. So to have, you know, the Elder Scrolls on your console... I'm pretty sure they'll get a lot of um, users and stuff. So yeah, I, I, think, I think I think it will be successful. It's just yeah, you know, it's, it's gonna come down to two things. I think it's gonna come down to how they market it. You know, if they market it as like Skyrim Online, I think it's gonna be really successful because people are gonna yeah. be like, oh, I can basically play Skyrim with my friends. But then also, I think it's gonna come down to what kind of business model they choose. If it's a subscription-based MMO, I I think that would be a terrible idea, especially for console players. Because I know like most console players, especially if they're on Xbox or you know even PlayStation, because you have to pay for Plus now to get multiplayer. Like they're not yeah. going to want to pay for the game for Plus or Live and a fee to play their game. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's not going to happen. So yeah. I think I think it should be buy to play. I think that would be the best. Because you would get that quality, and you would get the feeling of it being a AAA title without the fee every month. Yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you too, David. I mean, um, as someone who doesn't play MMOs all that often, it's like you said earlier on, whereby it's just the name as Elder Scrolls Online that will probably attract an awful lot of people. 
Right, uh, right. Yeah, for me, I mean, like, if I was going to choose an MMO to play right now, I would choose it based on the name alone. It's not going to be for any other reason. From what you, what you said, a lot of the um, story, a lot of the quests and such, they're all exactly the same, pretty much. Do something, give it to someone, do something else, continue. So it's, it's going to be a name-based thing. And uh, like you say, if, it, if they market it like Skyrim, like you said, then a lot of people will want to play this game. Yeah, but see, the one thing that has me still optimistic for there to be more is the fact that I only got to play the first, you know, two hours. So I only got to, like, level five. Um, they During the preview, they showed a higher-level dungeon where everyone was, like, level 18. It was four people playing together. And it, it, looked, it looked better. You know, there was more stuff going on. The enemies seemed to be pretty smart. They were kind of attacking in groups and focusing on... Like, you know, taking out the healer first, then the ranged people. And, you know, it was like pretty dynamic fighting. So it looked pretty good. And the PvP seems cool because in Cyrodiil, the area where Oblivion takes place, um, there's like all, there's three different factions in the game and they all are fighting to like basically crown the new emperor. And so like you, I don't know how they're going to deal with, you know, like players having control over regions. I don't know if that's going to be a thing. But PvP seems like it's going to be a cool idea. But once again, it's you know it's not anything new. Like there's been faction-based MMOs before, so I don't know. I mean, like you said, it's Elder Scrolls, and it's online, so people are probably going to buy it. What about you, Gary? Are you going to buy it? Oh, definitely. I have to. Like, it's my duty to buy that game. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, just as a huge fan of the Elder Scrolls and. Um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of respect for Bethesda, so without a doubt, I'm buying it. And I'm sure I will enjoy it as well, even if it is, you know, just a, a basic MMO. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure there'll be uh, there'll be good points to it and bad points. But, you know, because of the attachment to the Elder Scrolls world and all the lore and everything, I'm pretty sure that will make up for, you know, it being sort of like a basic MMO structure. Yeah, yeah. See, like, one thing I noticed immediately, you know, whenever you play single-player Elder Scrolls games, one of the staples of playing those games is the ability to, like, jump on a table and kick stuff around, or, you know, like, put baskets on people's heads, yeah, (laughs) like, pick up all the forks and plates and just, like, stockpile them if you want, just, like, doing whatever you want, and that isn't in the MMO, because it is an MMO, you know, so, like, you can't that that kind of interactivity isn't going to happen. So that's like a key piece that's going to be missing. And another yeah, I... thing is since it's an MMO, you like they're going to have to balance stuff cuz like the Elder Scrolls single player games are so easy to become overpowered because it's fun and you can just destroy stuff and be like overpowered lord, but you know in the MMO you won't be able to do that cuz they have to balance it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a sacrifice, you know, you have to take away some things in order to give a different sort of experience, you know, then this is all to do with playing with other people, you know, with it being an MMO, so there, there was definitely sacrifices to be made there, and I'm sure they were aware of it, so right. you know, I'm sure they'll they'll make up for it in other ways, hopefully. But, yeah, I mean, having your own house and, you know, being able to arrange it however you want and all that stuff, that's an experience you probably won't get. Well, see, I don't know. Like, housing in MMOs isn't a new thing. EverQuest 2 has a really, really in-depth housing system. And so I I feel like, you know, Elder Scrolls Online could have the same kind of thing where they can have housing where you can customize stuff. But will it be as in-depth, though? Uh, I mean... Really, like on its said, face, like EverQuest, said, like EverQuest 2 has a better housing system than Skyrim. Like, you can place stuff almost, like, freely around your entire house and customize how everything looks. Right. So, I mean, if they do something like that, it, it could be pretty awesome. So, is that, like, separate from the core game or something? Because you mentioned that there wasn't physics and all that stuff where you can freely move stuff around. So, do you think that they can make, like the housing part separate from the actual um, full game itself so that they can add that sort of thing to just the housing segment. 
Yeah, so, maybe. I think it could be possible. Because, like, if you look at what Neverwinter's doing with their, like, foundry system, you can create all kinds of stuff. And that's separate from the game. So. Okay. Well, yeah, hopefully they can do that then. That'd be kind of cool. Alright, so before we wrap up episode 20, first, just want to say thanks for the five or six people in the world to listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know, we bring you incredibly regular episodes, ranging anywhere from two weeks to seven months in between. <laughs> if, if, if we had released episode every two weeks from the moment we started, we'd be on like episode 100 by now. Pretty close to it, but stuff happens, so it's it's hard to maintain a schedule when you don't have the ability to do this full time. So yeah, such is life. But the last thing that we wanted to talk about is if you have been listening, then you know that we are in the process of working on what we call Operation Red Panda, code name. We're not ready to reveal full details, but we are working on our own RPG. And I think you're going to school for this kind of stuff right now, aren't you, Tom? Um, I just finished university. I did a games course. Game software oh, you just finished. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you graduated and everything? Yeah, well, almost. My university, for whatever reason, doesn't want me to... Uh, doesn't graduate until November. So... Right. But, technically speaking, I'm finished now. Oh, congrats, man. Well, thank you. Very nice. Yeah, but as I, I just finished a game software development course. So what, um, like, software languages and stuff did you learn? Uh, almost exclusively C++. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, the, yeah, the university I went to is very specialized in C++ because they have a lot of connections with other gaming companies and things. So uh, we have tight connections with a company called Sumo Digital. They made a few games. I made the latest Sega All-Stars racing game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a really yeah. good game. I like it a lot. Yeah, they're based in Sheffield, so... Well, yeah, they have connections with those, so... Basically, specialize, basically, in helping students like me try and do C++, basically, and DirectX. Okay, wow. yeah. Mm. So, we're going to we're gonna have to look out for you, man. You're probably going to make some <laughs> AAA title one day. Oh, yeah, totally. Of course, yeah. It, it it sounds a lot cooler than it actually is. So, to be honest. So I'm guessing as part of your program, you had you know like you made some small games, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the first two years it's basically learning, and then the third year, my final one, I just did. Uh, we were making games and such. I what mean, uh, did you make? Uh, we actually used the PS3 this year. Is the um, a dev kit called the Fire PS3 Fire Engine, which was cool. Although, if you ever get to use a PlayStation 3 dev kit and you happen to have using Fire Engine, you'll have the worst possible time in the world because it's the most nightmarish piece of software to use. Sony not making things easy for you at all. They, they give you this giant engine to work with and then don't tell you how to use it. So, you're trying to do all this stuff in here like, we don't get it, what's going on? We don't know, Sony have done something. So, <laughs> it's interesting. To find out. I mean, um, my third year, actually, uh, second year, sorry, for whatever reason, um, we did, uh, like, lecturer decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to try and make something on the GameCubes. And then we were like, well, this oh, is outdated. Nice. It sounds nice, but then we were like, this is outdated. No one makes <laughs> stuff for the GameCubes anymore. So, but yeah, it, it sounds fun. Uh, and despite misconception, I only got to play a game in lesson once. That was it. Although my lecturer, actually, if you're all interested, he worked, before he was my lecturer at university, he worked on Hogs of War, which I'm sure if you've heard of. PS1 I haven't heard of it. Yeah, Hogs of War, PS1 game. It's um, an... Oh, right. Yeah, you're like an, a hog, and you kill people, or, or the hogs and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's quite a popular game. Yeah, I remember so. it. It's like a, it's a, it's a strategy game, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's, he's one of the people who worked on it. So, hands-on experience from the industry. And all that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. So you probably got some good connections and everything as well. I'd like to think so, yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're going to be our unofficial consultant on our okay. game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, I just wanted to let people know that there is progress being made. Um, 
not sure when a demo is going to be released or a preview or anything like that, but there is progress and more details will be coming. Uh, just want to make sure you know we have stuff to a point where you get a full idea of what it is before we really say anything. It's going to be awesome. Greatest game ever made. <laughs> All right, so that's it for episode 20. It's uh, 20 long episodes. All the time combined, that means we've recorded over a day's worth of material, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. That's over 24 hours of Gary's beautiful voice. Oh, you give me way too much credit.